If you could uh, grab your cup of coffee and find your seat, we'll begin with the uh, teaching portion of our morning gathering. Well, it's good to see you all. Uh, my name is Sam Huggard, uh, pastor here at Be Free Church in Dover. And uh, we come to this week, and this is always a little bit of an odd week in the, uh, the church calendar. Uh, it's officially the first week in Advent, yet we're kind of just coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday. And so it kind of sneaks up on us to be here in this first week of Advent. Now, maybe for some of you here this morning, um, you're ready for this. Uh, you've been preparing for Christmas seemingly since Veterans Day. You know, Christmas music has been playing in your house. Maybe you started decorating back in uh, early November, um, and you were just ready to go. Others of you may be strict traditionalists. You say no Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. I figured there'd be a few of you in the house. All right. Well, we're going to try to thread the needle this morning, all right? And we're going to try to handle the first week of Advent through the lens of thanksgiving. So whether we appeal to both audiences or not, I don't know, or maybe neither. But this morning, we're going to enter the Advent season while also trying to uh, focus on thanksgiving. Now, we're taking a pause in the teaching series that we're in the middle of, the book of Ephesians. And we're going to, during Advent, uh, look at the theme of light for those who sit in darkness. Light for those who sit in darkness. And this phrase comes uh, from a prayer uh, that Zechariah prayed, a song he sang uh, after his son John the Baptist was born. And I, I love the words at the end of his, his prayer. It comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79. And Zechariah said, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Beautiful words about what the coming of Jesus would mean for the world. Uh, light for those who sit in darkness. And that's what Advent is all about. Recognizing the darkness of the world. You know, recognizing that things are not as they should be. And yet not recognizing that with discouragement. Recognizing that with hope recognizing that we wait for this ultimate restoration of all things that will come in Jesus Christ. And so over the next three Sundays, we're going to look at three different uh, characters from uh, the Christmas story, how the darkness of their circumstances, and how the light of Christ shone into those circumstances. Uh, but today, because we're not fully going into the Advent teaching yet, uh, we're actually not going to look at a story from the Christmas account uh, we're going to look at a story later in Jesus' life, uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. The story of 10 men who had, were afflicted with leprosy and experienced healing. So we see how Jesus, the light of the world, shone into the darkness of their circumstance. So I'll read this account, we'll pray, and then dive into our teaching for the morning. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, how thankful I am that we can come to you uh, with the issues, the problems, the darkness of our lives. Uh, Lord, you know all about the darkness of this world and specifically the darkness of our lives, and you don't despise us in our darkness. But Lord, you long for us to bring it all to you. So we do this morning. Uh, we come to you, Lord, with our fear, with our doubt, our anxiety, um, Lord, uh, the hidden sins, all of the things that you see plainly, we now bring to you. And Lord, we bring them to you because you are good and you provide healing. And so God, we come to you this morning asking you to do a good work within our hearts and minds this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, think back with me uh, to two years ago. Now, two years seems like a long time. Uh, but two years ago, uh, Advent season of 2020. Now, you might remember that Advent 2020 was marked by one word, and that word would be COVID. <laughs> Do you remember that year? Uh, that as we were waiting uh, to celebrate, yet everything was so weird and new in the COVID world. Um, can we gather in person? Who's sick? Who's not? What do we do? There's just so many questions and confusions in that season. And I remember uh, coming up um, into the Advent season of Advent 2020. My family, we were still living in Alton at the time. And uh, at the time, cases were very low in that town. I forget exactly the total number, but it was well under 10. 10 people in, in the whole town who had COVID. And then we discovered that we had COVID. And we instantly almost doubled the number of COVID cases in that community. <laughs> in those early days, you didn't know what to do. I mean, we just were stuck at home. Uh, we hadn't, there was no vac vaccine at that point. Like, how bad is this thing going to get? And it was such a weird experience to have such isolation and uncertainty. I mean, I actually got it fairly bad. I kind of wondered, how bad is this thing going to get? And so we were stuck there at home wondering what's going to happen to us, wondering when can we again see people. Uh, I lost my taste. When can I taste good food again? I, 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 I felt bad, but probably the worst thing for me was heading into, thanks, into uh, Christmas, I'm wondering, can I taste the Christmas food? So just, uh, I came back a little bit in time, but not, not fully. Now, as I read this, uh, this story this morning, uh, my experience walking through COVID in 2020 gave me just a glimmer of what these men must have experienced in Jesus' story. These men were truly sick, they were truly isolated, and they had this sense of great uncertainty about their future. Now, we see all throughout Scripture um, that leprosy is mentioned quite frequently. Sixty-eight times the Bible mentions the disease leprosy. Um, it's actually kind of a catch-all term in the Scriptures. Um, often it means more than leprosy as we define it. It means uh, a skin disease of various sorts. But leprosy is a terrible disease. 
And these men who came to Jesus had great darkness in their lives. There was the darkness of uncertainty about this disease. What is going to happen to us with this disease that we have contracted? Now, if you're not familiar with leprosy, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, It's actually a disease of the nervous system uh, with symptoms that begin in the skin and then spread to other parts of the body. And those affected by leprosy uh, experience disfigurement eventually of skin and bones. Um, They can get tumor-like growths. Uh, The twisting of limbs and the curling of fingers uh, forms the characteristic kind of claw-like look of the hand. And eventually, in the advanced stages of leprosy, patients cannot sense pain in their extremities. So they injure themselves because they lack the pain receptors that warn them of danger. And so it's this disease of wasting away. I can only imagine these 10 men were wondering, how much longer is this going to take? Is this going to be 10 years, 20 years of wasting? Is it two years? What is my life going to be like now that I have this disease? You see, sickness brings about this darkness of uncertainty into the human condition. But that wasn't the only darkness these 10 guys were experiencing. It wasn't just the darkness of sickness and the resulting uncertainty. It was also the darkness of isolation. Um, To contract leprosy in that day meant you were going to be alienated from community. Uh, Actually, this was required in the law. In Leviticus, we read a lot of instructions where God gives some very pragmatic instructions to His community. And in Leviticus 13, verses 45 to 46, we read, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, this was because of the contagious nature of the disease. So to protect the rest of the community, the person was forced to isolate. Sound familiar? This concern for disease spreading forced isolation. But it wasn't just for 10 days, 14 days, a month. We're talking, this is the rest of your life. And so we see these men here have have found one another because they're all in the same condition together. Uh, These men afflicted by leprosy who have become isolated from their family and friends are now living in this shared community of sickness. But they're isolated from those that they know and love. I mean, can you imagine, you know, the kind of darkness that must weigh on your soul to experience that kind of isolation? Knowing your family and friends are going on with their life, but you can't have any real meaningful connection with them. I just had to weigh on them greatly. And this didn't matter who you were, um, rich, poor, high, low. If you were to contract leprosy, this was the case for everyone. It was the case for King Uzziah. And we read in 2 Chronicles 26, 21, that King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. I can only imagine uh, the difficulty of living with that kind of separation and isolation. So you see these men had the darkness 
of uncertainty because of the sickness, the darkness of isolation. But there was also the darkness of shame. You know, having to live separate from community and then yell unclean, unclean whenever a person got close to you can't do much good for your self-esteem. I mean, there's something about um, yourself that you're kind of wondering, what, what, what brought this about to make me unclean in this way? For many of these men, the question rattling through their mind is, is God against me? Did I, did I do something that made God bring this upon me? There's that sense of shame that this disease carried. And shame has been a constant since the beginning of the Bible. Um, not one of us here knows what it is like to fully live without shame. I can only imagine how wonderful that would be. And that, that was how the story began. In Genesis chapter uh, 1, when God creates everything and life is as it should be, Adam and Eve are created, the first human beings, and it says that Adam and Eve were naked and without shame. Full intimacy, full transparency, full vulnerability, no sense of hiding from one another, no sense of shame. And we don't know what that's like. Shame is run through this plot line of the scriptures because sin entered the picture. And sin brings about shame, a sense of hiding, hiding from God, hiding from one another. And these men know all about this, the darkness of uncertainty, of isolation, and of shame. But into these men's darkness, the light of Jesus broke through. These men had heard of a man named Jesus who was healing lots of people. And so hope glimmered within them. Could this happen for us? Could this happen? And as Jesus came to the area they were in, they came to him. But it says they still didn't like run right up. It says from a distance, they started yelling. And they weren't yelling, unclean, unclean. They yelled, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he did. So I first want to ask this question. It's a simple question. What do we learn about Jesus from this encounter? What do we learn about his character? Two things. Very simply, we first learn that he cares. Jesus cares. I mean, these men uh, had not experienced this kind of compassion for a long time. Most people, when they saw them, either ran the other way or, or tried to, from a distance, you know, offer some kind words. But they had not experienced this kind of care and compassion. Jesus was not repulsed by these men's condition. Now, we see in another interaction that Jesus had with another leprous man just how, how much he cares and his desire to draw close. In Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 12 to 13, he's interacting with another man with leprosy. And it says that while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And what is so striking here is the order in which this happens. It wasn't Jesus saying, be clean. Then once he's seeing he was, touches him. He touches him first. 
He touches him while he's still sick. While no one else would. He touches this man. And I can only imagine just that sense of love and compassion that came into that man as he sent someone, love him enough to touch him in his sickness. This is the character of Jesus who is not repulsed by the sickness, the darkness, the sin within each of us. In some strange way, Jesus is actually drawn to us because of this. This is why he came. He came to seek and to save what was lost. In one famous encounter with the other religious leaders of his day who didn't understand this about Jesus, he said, the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, I've come to call sinners. Jesus came to us because of our darkness. And see, we often sense it just the opposite. We sense that our darkness must make God want to stay away from us. And it's the other way around. Jesus, the light of the world, has entered our darkness because He cares. He loves us. And secondly, He heals. Jesus doesn't just care, isn't just sympathetic. He can do something about our condition. Jesus heals. The light of Jesus shone into the darkness of these ten men's situation. Body, their bodies were were cleansed, it says, of leprosy. Jesus said to them, go return uh, to the priests, because that's what the law required, and show your bodies to them. And they took Jesus at his word and went. And as they ran, it says they were cleansed. Can you imagine what what that must have looked like? Um, Some of them may have had hands bandaged, uh, sores, disfigurements. And as they are walking, it's changing, being transformed right before their eyes. Uh, their skin growing younger again. I mean, how amazing would it be to see this condition transformed right before your eyes? Jesus heals. And again, we see this theme running through the plot line of Jesus' ministry. Jesus came and he heals the blind. He heals the lame. He heals those with leprosy. Jesus is the healer that we all long for. I mean, even when we're, when we're sick, just mildly, with a flu or with, or with a, a cold, I mean, you know how much you just long to be whole and right again. Uh, there, there are times, you know, when I'm sick, I just think, oh, Lord, just please let this be short. Let me get through this sickness. It, 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 is, it feels terrible to be sick. And Jesus is the healer who has come to make us whole. I mean, can you imagine the joy those men felt that day. I remember when I, when I first started getting better from COVID, it felt so good to feel good. You know, I, when, I, when I first could taste my food again, those simple joys were amazing. I just felt this wonderful gratitude and excitement and joy to be made well. And as those guys ran, I can only imagine the thanksgiving that was pouring out of them for what they were experiencing. And that's what I, what I want to focus on for the remainder of our time this morning. And we've considered what we learned about Jesus, that He cares and that He heals. But our, our second half here, I want to consider what do we learn about thanksgiving? Because there's two kinds of thanksgiving that we see in this story. All ten lepers were cleansed. All ten experienced Jesus' healing. All ten ran to the priests. All ten were glad. All ten were thankful 
that the darkness of their situation had been transformed. Yet it says, one man who had been previously had leprosy, one man returned. As he was running to the priests, he realized what was happening. He stopped, turned, and returned to find Jesus. And his thanksgiving was different than the other nine men who previously had leprosy. And I want to consider the difference between the two responses. Both were thankful, but it was a different kind of thanksgiving. Now, C.S. Lewis, and if you haven't noticed already, I like C.S. Lewis a lot and quote him a lot, all right? Um, C.S. Lewis uh, talks about these two types of gratitude here, or two types of thanksgiving. He says, gratitude exclaims, how good of God to give me this. Adoration says, what must be the quality of that being whose far off and momentary coruscations are like this? One's mind runs back up to the sunbeam to the sun. Now, slightly uh, complicated quote here, so let me unpack it. Uh, first of all, that word coruscations uh, simply means a sudden display of brilliance, a flashing of light. So it's saying, Lewis is saying that a gift from God, like a healing, a great provision, something you've been praying for, when you receive it, it's like a, a flashing light, like uh, the sun breaking through the clouds, flashing upon your life, the light of heaven breaking through. And Lewis is saying that we all experience gifts from God. We all do. I mean, every breath we draw is a gift from God. If we have a job, it's a gift from God. If we have a home, it's a gift from God. Family, it's a gift from God. All of us have gifts from God. Now, gratitude says, wow, I am so glad I have these good things. You just probably did some of this on Thursday, eating some turkey and thinking about all the good things you have, thinking about the family around you or the home you're in, the job you have. And you say, I like this. I'm thankful for these good things. It's good to be grateful. It's better than being ungrateful. But gratitude is not the same as adoration. Adoration says not only thank you for this good thing, but who gave it to me? What is the character of a God that would give me grace upon grace in the way that I have received it? And Lewis says we, we run back up the sunbeams to the source, to the sun. Gratitude says, I like the gift. Adoration says, who's the giver? Is the focus the gift or the giver? And when this leper returns to find Jesus, he is moved from gratitude to adoration. He's run back up the sunbeams to the sun. And as he returns to Jesus, what's happening here is he's actually experiencing a second healing, a deeper healing. You know, the healings that Jesus often performed uh, in the Gospels are called signs. Uh, Jesus' miracles were referred to as signs, and Jesus did a sign. Now, I love that term because it tells us about the nature of these miracles, that they weren't ends in and of themselves. They were all pointing to something, right? A sign points us to something. Uh, this this uh, many miles to Portsmouth, you know, this way to the beach. A sign is telling us where to go. And these healings that Jesus was doing were signs pointing us to a deeper reality. 
See, the Scriptures tell us that the real problem in life is not simply the dark circumstances we all encounter, as bad as they are. I can't imagine having leprosy. But the Scripture is saying there's something worse. There's something deeper. There's something darker. As bad as the circumstances are that we all run into, the real problem in life is the darkness within each of our souls. The fear, the pride, the jealousy, the selfishness that resides within each of us. And Jesus, the light of the world, has come to give light to those who sit in darkness. He's come to bring light within those who are darkness. He's come to heal, and not just in the temporary, circumstantial way that we all long for, but the eternal, deep healing of the human soul. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 says this, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been healed. This is what Jesus has come for, the healing of the human soul. And to bring this about, Jesus took our sin upon himself. Just in the same way that he touched the leper before he healed him, Jesus has come and touched us in our sin. That on the cross, he took our sin onto himself. That he might give us his wholeness, his righteousness. It says, by his wounds, we are healed. And as that leper came back to Jesus, what we're finding is that not only was his body healed, but his soul is being set right as he returns to the source of his healing. So how can we experience that kind of healing in our lives? And I want to look at Luke chapter 17, verses 15 to 16, two verses right in the middle of this account. And I think the language is significant in these two verses. I'll read them again. It says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. We're not going to unpack a whole lot about that last phrase, but it's a big deal. That he was a Samaritan. It's one more way this guy was experiencing uh, darkness. That to be a Samaritan in that day um, was to experience um, rejection uh, from uh, the neighboring uh, Jewish community. This man was experiencing uh, division around cultural and ethnic lines. But he comes to Jesus. And there's four things in particular that it says he did as he came. It says first, he turned. He was running to the priest to show himself that he could be restored to community. And as he realizes what's happening, first, he turns. Now, if I were him, I would go first to the priest, kind of get my all clear, and then go back and find Jesus. But he doesn't even do that. He has not yet been declared clean by the priest, but he has to go back and find Jesus. He turned. You see, to experience the healing of our soul for all of us requires a turn. Jesus, whenever he invited people to come to him, he would say, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. To repent simply means to turn. That we're all heading one direction in life, and God says, you need to turn 
to me. Now, this man was not turning from something that was so horrible or evil. Jesus had told him to go show his body to the priest. Most of the things that we have to turn from in life aren't bad in and of themselves. They're just not ultimate things. Jesus might be saying, you need to turn from pursuing your career as the most important thing in your life. Yes, have a career, but it's not central. You need to turn to me as the central thing in life. Or you might need to turn from viewing your your family relationships as the ultimate thing in your life. Yes, those are good things, blessings from God, but they're not ultimate things. You need to turn to me. Whatever it is in life, we all have something that we tend to put in the place that only belongs to God within our lives. And for this man, I had to wonder if it was his healing, the thing that he had longed for, maybe for decades. And he realized, even if my body is made well, but my soul is not, I am still in a bad place. And so he turns from going to the priest and comes to Jesus. What might be the thing that Jesus is saying to you right now? Turn from and turn to me. We experience the healing of our souls as we turn to Jesus Christ. Second phrase, says this man turned, came to Jesus, and fell on his face. Fell on his face. Uh, this is a posture of praise and humility. Praise and humility. That he recognizes who Jesus is. You know, not just uh, a good doctor, not just a good teacher, but he's recognizing that Jesus is God in flesh. He's the Lord, and he, he worships him. And this requires humility. I mean, to recognize that Jesus is God is to recognize I am not. You call the shots. You set the rules. I, I will follow you. So he falls on his face in praise and humility. And the healing of our soul requires this. That we all have to come to a place of recognizing that there is a God who loves us and who designed a wonderful life for us to live according to his instructions not according to our will. And we fall on our face in worship and in humility, thankful that He is God and, and we are not. The third phrase here is the phrase, at Jesus' feet. And I'll, I'll just give you a disclaimer. I may be stretching this one a tad, all right? Uh, but that phrase, at Jesus' feet, we see often in the gospel accounts, is a code phrase for discipleship. That the disciples sat at Jesus' feet that's where they learned from him. They came and sat at his feet to learn. It says that, uh, remember the story of Mary and Martha? That Martha's in the kitchen working. She's angry that Mary's uh, not helping her out. And it says that Mary was sitting at his feet. That was code for uh, a discipleship relationship. She was an apprentice learning under Jesus. See, I think what's happening here, this man is not only saying, you're, uh, he's not only turning to Jesus and saying, I believe in you. This is code for discipleship. He's saying, I want to learn from you. I want to learn from you how to live life. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a Christian is to be a learner of Jesus' way of life. See, our souls begin to be set right as we are learning under Jesus how to live, as we learn from Him how to live in relationship with one another, how to walk through suffering, how to handle our money. I mean, Jesus cares about all these areas of life and wants to teach us. And as we learn from him, our souls are healed. Jesus uh, heals this man as he falls at his feet. And there's a last phrase here, and that's simply the phrase, giving him thanks. 
giving him thanks. I think that one of the ultimate um, evidences of a soul that is set right is thanksgiving. That no matter what is happening in life, we can give thanks. Which is why the scriptures call us to give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Because no matter how things go in life, if we have Jesus Christ, then we could not be better off. If we have Jesus Christ, then we have an eternity that is unbelievably good. If we have Jesus Christ, we have a love that is greater than any other love in the universe. If we have Jesus Christ, we have so much reason to give thanks in all circumstance. Giving thanks is the result of a life that is being shaped by Jesus Christ, but it's also part of the process. As we give thanks, we're aligning our hearts to God's reality. What do I have in my life that I can give thanks for? Not only the good gifts, but what does it tell me about the giver? And how can I give thanks to him for who he is and what he has done for me? You know, there is an ultimate day of healing coming. This is how the scriptures end. This ultimate day in Revelation 21 and 22, it speaks of an ultimate healing. That one day there will be no more mourning, crying, or pain. That when the new heavens and new earth uh, descend, there won't be any more leprosy any more sickness, any more death. And then it goes on to say that the healing of the nations will occur and there will no longer be anything accursed. That Jesus will set right all that has gone wrong. And so I invite you to prepare for that future day by turning to Jesus now for the healing of your souls in the present. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, how thankful we are this morning uh, that you are such a good and powerful God. Thank you that you love us enough to come to us uh, even in our darkness. Lord, we sang earlier that if we are lost, you will come for us. That you haven't asked us, Lord, uh, to work our way, to navigate our way, uh, to fix ourselves, to find you. But Lord, you have come for us, and we thank you for that. And God, we thank you that uh, in finding us, you do bring healing. Lord, you set right what has gone wrong. You begin to help us to to see life as you see life. Lord, that there is a God uh, who has made everything. Uh, There is a way you're calling us to live, and that way is good. So God, I do pray that you'd be aligning our hearts and minds uh, to you, to your reality. And God, we long for the day when all things will be set right. And until then, we know there still will be sickness. There still will be suffering. And uh, so, Lord, I pray until that day of ultimate healing, you would help us to be faithful to you, uh, you would help us to walk with you, to learn with you, and to be grateful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.